0: 630 Chad afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at two on six thirty Chad.
1: Boy oh boy, what uh what a weekend, a devastating weekend in the central U.S. where Tornadoes in four states caused massive devastation. Kentucky was the worst hit. Uh, They're now saying at least 74 people are dead there. Some towns pretty much wiped off the map. Four twisters hit Kentucky in all, including one with an extraordinarily long path of about 200 miles or about 322 kilometers. Along with the deaths in Kentucky, the tornadoes also, also killed at least six people in Illinois. Uh, there was an Amazon distribution center that was hit there. There was four people killed at least in Tennessee, two in Arkansas, and two in Missouri. My, redder, my radar weather storm chaser Aaron J. Jack was there, who says the tornadoes were like being inside a nightmare. Aaron, welcome back to the show.
0: Hey, how's it going? How are you?
1: I'm okay. How are you doing? Um,
0: just kind of still trying to you know think about what all what happened this weekend. It was a, a pretty crazy Friday night.
1: So uh, you know what I uh, I, I woke up uh, from a from a late afternoon nap and into the evening was following your your tweets on social media and was thinking, oh my gosh, this looks awful. It sounds awful. Aaron, it was awful. Tell us what you saw uh, take us through that night.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it's a worst case scenario. Typically, these severe weather outbreaks, you get these types of things in, in May or April. Uh, it's still daylight going, you know, until 8, 9 o'clock at night. And in the winter here in these months, now where we don't typically get the severe weather, you know, you're dealing with a, a, mostly a nocturnal event here with the severe weather. And, you know, that's exactly what unfolded. I, I found myself in northeast Arkansas. Uh, the National Weather Service in the United States had put out a moderate risk with 15% hashed risk area for tornadoes. So it to translates that as a, a pretty significant severe weather setup. Uh, so I was in northeastern Arkansas, you know, watching the radar and waiting for the the, the storms to, to develop and, and, and a storm did ended up developing and it developed southwest of Little Rock. Now you mentioned how uh, this was a, a the storm was 200 you know about 250 miles they're still doing the official survey but the storm traveled great distance and, uh, and it came all the way from southwest of Arkansas Little Rock, Arkansas, I came through Little Rock, and it wasn't a tornado producer at that point. But I was in the Jonesboro, Arkansas area, uh, watching the storm develop and letting it come towards me, which was uh, Jonesboro is northeast of Little Rock, and uh, eventually about uh, maybe uh, 50 miles or so southwest of Jonesboro. Eventually, became tornado warned, and that's about the time that I was on the storm. And I tracked the storm all the way across northeast Arkansas uh, into uh, the boot heel of Missouri, and then to the to northwestern Tennessee, and a storm was moving at 50 miles per hour, so quite difficult to keep up with the storm. Uh, I managed to stay within a few miles of the storm and the tornado for most of the chase. Uh, About I ended up doing about two hours or about 100 miles that I was able to keep up with it. Wow. Until so eventually, I had to drop off the storm, and I thought maybe it wasn't going to be producing tornadoes anymore. But no, that was only half of its path. It continued on for another 100, 150 miles, and actually caused the most devastation was after I had to stop following it. So, uh, a yeah, terrible night. You know, I saw I came across lots of damage paths uh, where the tornado had passed over the roads that I was on. Uh, the interstate I-55 that runs through there had multiple semis that had been uh, thrown across the interstate, and traffic was stopped. So, like I said, it's just uh, it was a worst-case scenario. A nightmare
1: scenario. Was it one of the worst tornadoes? Would you say it's like the worst tornado you've ever chased?
0: I mean, it definitely is. You know, we're still waiting to see the surveys, but there's a good chance this tornado could be uh, an EF5. It definitely looks like from my you know my, my perspective looking at social media posts and the, the damage that I saw, likely EF, at least EF4 damage. Uh, but what's really remarkable about it is that distance that it travel. It looks like yeah. it was a single tornado. Uh, a lot of times these storms they will do what's called a cycle or a, a, a storm, the, the updraft, the mesocycle will form. Potentially a tornado will form and it'll travel for a certain distance, not, not usually, you know, only a few miles or, you know, 20, 30 miles maybe before a new cycle begins. and the the whole process starts all over again. Well, in this case, this was just a a supercell. It was out in this wide-open, warm sector. It was able to just march through this warm sector at 50 miles per hour, never cycling and having just this this super tornado the entire time it was on the ground
1: my radar weather storm chaser aaron jajak joining us this afternoon yeah they're still trying to verify just exactly how far that tornado traveled but they're saying that this could be the longest tornado track in history you touched on kind of the warmth uh, of that area had it had it been unusually warm through that area like i I guess there's a lot of people wondering how, how the how why so many formed um at this time of year
0: yeah, I mean absolutely it was uh, what's called a large it was a large warm sector so that's the area that, the, the the massive air out ahead of a low pressure system uh with a draping with a cold front draping down to the south so out in front of the system we had this this unseasonably warm uh, uh warm sector uh, this warm air mass so it was full of moisture from the Gulf of Mexico streaming northward, and typically it was basically it was an environment that you typically would find in, in uh, you know like May uh, in peak severe weather yeah, okay. season. So, unseasonably warm, uh, you know, and that was just, that's the ingredient that's required. Uh, they get these types of storms and the other thing you're dealing with in the winter is uh, what's called uh, shear so it's the the change in direction and speed of the of the winds as you go up into the atmosphere and in the winter months you get these really strong you know even stronger than in the the peak severe season you get really strong shear so if you get the other ingredients uh, that you get in severe weather season mixed with these the winter shear aloft then you're going to get big time storms
1: Aaron one of the other things I mean we're we're talking about how how far this one tornado traveled one of the other things that it's been being talked about a lot is just um how much debris or the debris that was sucked up into it, how high up it went, like something like thirty thousand feet in the air the debris was traveling up.
0: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, that, and that just shows you the power of the storm. So to get that debris, you know, with the with the mesocyclone, which is the rotating updraft of a storm, uh, you have uh, these you know these immense uh, winds that are that are racing up into the atmosphere, and that's how you get hail, as the mm-hmm. the wind is you know strong enough. To, uh, to, to, to to the the updrafts can suspend that hail and it continues to build. In this case, we had that strong shear, so instead of the, the air rising straight up into the atmosphere where that hail could form, it was actually tilted and sheared downstream from the storm. So we didn't really have the hail in the storm, but we had those strong winds that uh, you know were able to pull that atmosphere up 30,000 feet in the atmosphere. You know plain heights where you don't really don't see that type of thing. And, you know, and, and debris, in fact, because of how strong the shear it was, uh, they, were, they were finding debris uh, raining down, you know, in places out ahead of the storm, before the storm even ever wow. even got there. In fact, I saw one report where there was a school handbook from somewhere in Arkansas and it ended up uh, several hundred miles into Kentucky. So that just goes to show that, wow. you know, how strong and powerful the storm was.
1: Aaron, you probably get asked this question all the time. But I'm going to ask you again because I'll be fascinated to hear hear what you say. You you this is what you do. You you are a storm chaser. We we have talked to you about uh, your experience with these these nasty storms with tornadoes in the past. What is it like to be that close to? um a a storm like this and and i mean at at one point it must obviously there's got to be a thrill there that you know you're you're able to track it you're doing your job and you're you're letting people know what's going on so that that's got to be something but on the other side reconciling what you what you've learned has happened from it's got to be a real challenge as well
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, my whole goal out there is to, first and foremost, is to be that ground truth truth on the ground because, uh, you know, the, the weather forecasters, they're using radar to look at the storm. But radar can only see, they can't see what's happening right at the surface. So that's my main, my primary focus out there is to provide that ground truth. Is there a tornado on the ground or not? And then secondary is to get the warnings out to people as well. You know, I'm very active on social media. Uh, I'm tweeting out what's going on. And sometimes people, you know, they, they, they look at their peers or social media people. Uh, they take what they're saying with more, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're listening to them the officials for whatever reason right and and also i mean some people just you know there's lots of people on social media so i'm trying yeah. to get the word out there and warn warn the public uh but yeah you know that's my, my passion is the, to document storms and to be there and you know when i when that you know this is a rare event that something like this comes together when i you know i was hopeful this on this day where the storms were potentially forming at they were in the mississippi river valley yeah. which is quite wide open you know lots of fields not a lot of not a lot of people uh but you know Generally, the, the tornadoes, they're only on the ground for a few miles at most, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime you have something that's going hundreds of miles, eventually, A worst case scenario is going to happen. And on the field, you know, I didn't really know what's going on. I'm focused on the job at hand. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, you know, there's been deaths yet or not. I, I, I suspect that there's something that's bad happening because I see power flashes. And anytime you see those power flashes, you know, likely uh, it's hitting infrastructure. And if there's infrastructure, there's likely people nearby that location. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know it's and then after the fact comes the, uh, you know, and then you see what ends up happening, and that's just—it's really—it's a gut punch, you know. I—I I, I saw a story today where uh, there was a little girl that had been injured in a car. And she was, she had initially had survived, but then eventually had passed away, and it's just—I mean, it's really—it was really—I was a little chuffed up about that today.
1: Aaron, uh wanna thank you for making time for us this afternoon. Stay, stay, stay safe when you're out there doing your thing, and thank you for. um For explaining what you saw on Friday night. I I appreciate your time as always. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, take care. Aaron J. Jack joining us this afternoon. You can follow him on Twitter, at Aaron J. Jack. You can see his videos. You can see what he is putting out there. And and, and, uh, originally from Manitoba, by the way. Um, uh, So if you want to follow him again, it's at Aaron J. Jack.